Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. The Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Downloaded today, available for iOS and Android users in your app store. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Now available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. On this edition, we'll look back at last weekend's Union Hockey losses to Clarkson and St. Lawrence and look ahead to their road games at Quinnipiac and Princeton this weekend, their last games before their first trimester exam break. We'll have Union men's hockey coach Rick Bennett's press conference from Wednesday and also have interviews with Union women's hockey coach Josh Skiba and senior forward Rachel DePiro. Union beat writer Mike McGadden joins me now. And Mike... It's another rough weekend for the Dutchman. <laughs> what else is new? <laughs> the same old song. <laughs> yeah, you know, and, and part of that song is um, head coach Rick Bennett seeing positive signs and light at the end of, end of the tunnel in losses. And the, so far, that's the only place you're going to see him so far. But um, he was, you know, for the first time last Friday, the Clarkson loss was one that really bugged him. You could tell. He wasn't pleased afterwards. So, you know, he's been trying to be philosophical and and keep things on a positive light. But that night, it definitely was going in the other direction and to the point where um, he declined to make players available after the game. Um, and then they played a lot better on um, Saturday against St. Lawrence. And, you know, it's easy to say that could be a product of the opponent. You know, Clarkson certainly one of the teams that a lot of people believe are – have a great chance to win the league this year and St. Lawrence, not so much, but um, you know, that's kind of what they have to bite off at this point is seeing games, um, you know, playing games that can be examples for the future of how we're supposed to play and whether a win comes out of it or not, that, that's for later, but you know, at least they're coming in, you know, he, he was pretty optimistic at the, you know, they're starting to turn it around and they're starting to see things that, they're working on a practice kind of translating into games too, which is what you want. Well, look at that. Clark's game was 1-1 late into the second period. Then uh, Chris Clack scored with 23 seconds left to make it 2-1. And uh, minute 38 into the third, Anthony Romano made it 3-1. And it seemed just that really turned the tide. It really did. And um, the amazing thing about that game is he had said early in the season that one of their objectives in any given game, whoever they're playing against, is to win the first three minutes – of each period and win the last three minutes of each period. And unbelievably, all five of those goals scored by Clarkson fell in those little, you know, beginning of this period window or end of the period window. And and they're just kind of soul crushing, you know, give up an early one. Yeah. that You hate that, but, you know, really giving up one, you know, when you're 50, whatever seconds away from getting into the locker room with a one, one game is just a crusher. And then they, you know, they let the third one in early in the, the following period. And they give two late goals. I mean, did they just was it after the third goal? They just seemed out of it at that point. Um, I don't. Yeah, I guess. I mean, Clarkson's a really good team, and they 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 are hard for Union to match up against. They you know they play heavy. They're, they're very good on defense, and you know it's kind of like the the last couple goals were just water under the bridge. That the tone had been set by the earlier stuff, and that kind of defined that game. Um, you know, I. The, the last couple of goals were kind of like insignificant. Everybody was kind of waiting for the game to be over, and they popped a couple in late. I think it was. I, I would think the more disturbing game had would have been 
the three-two loss to St. Lawrence. Oh, that's the amazing thing. That, that's yeah. the amazing thing, and it's it happened in a previous weekend too. I think it was the Canisius weekend where <laughs> they played better in a three-zero shutout loss than they did in a four-zero win. Um, it's kind of like the topsy-turvy, bizarro world that we're the Union hockey is living in this season. Um, but you know, until they start figuring out formulas of how to win. The, you know, the, the value that they can pull out of a game is having played well and at least do a lot of the things for, you know, consistently over the course of the game that um, will lead to wins later. And, you know, and it, I know that sounds really flimsy and it's, um, you know, doesn't hold a, ton, a lot of water, but that's all I have right now to go with. And, you know, it's just... It's, yeah, one, one thing Rick said at the uh, – we'll have his press conference a little bit later. Yep. Um, they were, Union was on a power play midway through the second period. Uh, then Michael Ryan took a slashing penalty during the, that power play, and he seemed to think that at that point that's everything started to fall apart a little bit, turnovers, and uh, they ended up, you know, that's what made it turn the tide. It had to be kind of demoralizing for them because it was so unnecessary. And it was – and I remember that, that call too because – he whacked the kid's stick out of his hands just inside the offensive union's offensive blue line and just like threw up his hands when they blew the whistle. You got to call that. And uh, just absolutely submarines anything that you're trying, any momentum you're trying to build. And, and uh, you, know, you talk about football where turnovers are big momentum builders in, in hockey, a penalty can be. And even though it was four on four, I mean, you, 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 figured out a way to get yourself into an advantageous, advantageous situation and then just throw it away immediately is just like, just got to drive you crazy. Yeah. <laughs> well, this weekend coming up, they go to uh, Quinnipiac. It's always a tough place to play there. And then Princeton, uh, one of the notorious cold rinks in uh, ECAC hockey. Last games before uh, their trimester break, uh, exam break. Uh, yeah. What do they have to do to get back on track this weekend? Um, you know, just pull whatever they thought they were doing well, you know, puck possession and grinding and cycling against St. Lawrence and just bring that. Um, you know, everybody on the planet in hockey always says consistent, you know, three periods, 60-minute game and everything. And um, you're never going to absolutely hit that perfectly ever. But um, the closer you approach it, the better your, your chance of winning. And they kind of did that against St. Lawrence. Yeah. So they need to, like, figure out a way to – bottle that and bring it against two teams that are very similar two opponents that are kind of similar from what Rick was saying, two fast teams and maybe a departure from what they saw against St. Lawrence. So, you know, puck possession and, and avoiding turnovers at center ice, something that Brandon Estes uh, mentioned today is, is going to be crucial because you can't give these teams an opportunity to like make you pay for a turnover with their speed. Um, yeah. Well, Quinnipiac started out four and one, but since then, 0-3-1, which includes a 7-2 loss to Harvard last Saturday. And two of the two other losses were at Arizona State. And they had the 2-2 tie on Dartmouth on Friday. So maybe Quinnipiac's in a little bit of state of flux. I, well, they, I think they're in a state of flux just from the, the goalie standpoint. I mean, Andrew Shortridge was a junior last year. He left a, a year early. He's with San Jose organization now. Um so Keith Petruzzelli, I think he's getting most of the minutes. So maybe they're good. I mean, and Shortridge was really like the cornerstone of their whole team last year. And NHL scouts were looking at him like early and often. Um, 
So maybe it's a little bit of a goalie situation. I think Harvard dropping seven on somebody isn't unusual. They could probably that, do that's that. The that's second, just about anybody. Yeah, second time they've done that this year. Right. Um, they could. That, that can happen when you play against them. So, um, kind of a hard team to read. They're they're fast. They you know their their goalie situations in transition. And if, then you look at Princeton. Um, uh, still pretty fast. Rick noted, despite the fact that. Um, the Ryan Kuffner or Max Verona um, line is no longer there. The combination is no longer there. So um, sounds like they, from a matchup standpoint, they face uh, similar, you know, kind of material. It's kind of weird. You know, Princeton opened the season a couple weekends ago at St. Cloud State, had a 5-3 victory and a 5-5 tie. They come back to ECAC play last weekend, get shut out by Harvard 3-0 and lose to Dartmouth 3-1. So, um, kind of a strange start for Princeton. And to yeah. me, last year, the Princeton is probably the most disappointing team since they were coming off that ECAC tournament title yeah. the year before. And I think a lot of uh, us, quote-unquote, experts were expecting them to uh, do well, and they just didn't do it. Yeah, and I don't think a lot of people are expecting them to do well this year. Um, it, you know, hey, they held Harvard to three goals. <laughs> um, and going to St. Cloud and pulling out those outcomes, yeah, I mean, it really it's kind of a – black and white thing there it's hard to hard to read it's very small sample sizes they've only played four games um uh so they're they're kind of a tough read but if they're a fast team going back to what i said before union's got to be careful with the puck in, in uh at center right well coming up we'll get the thoughts of union men's hockey coach uh, rick bennett you're listening to the party shots podcast available on apple podcast and spotify Hi, this is Hunter Moffat, founder and CEO of Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Our app is a community connecting like-minded athletes, families, and sports affiliates for their specific needs. Positive form of social media designed for long-term success. We have a template for users to easily curate, track, record, and grow their statistics and social multimedia content in one digital profile. Create, connect, and promote your brand. Think Instagram for athletes. Notable Trophy Case team members include Ron Jaworski, former NFL quarterback and founder of Jaws Youth Playbook, who says, Throughout my success in the sports world, I believe Trophy Case can bring value to many different levels of athletes and unrepresented sports. This platform will level the playing field for athletes at the beginning of their career with technology for generations to come. You can download the Trophy Case app and the Apple Store and Google Play. Send us your feedback. Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Get it today. Back on the Party Shots podcast, along with Mike McGadam, I'm Ken Schatz. Union coach Rick Bennett met the media on Wednesday, and here's what he had to say about last weekend's games and this weekend's games coming up. What's the word on Quinnipiac and Princeton? <laughs> uh, good and fast. Uh, both teams are both teams have, uh, again, a lot of speed. Uh, Quinnipiac is, I think, a lot of their depth is up front. Um, and if we're not tight gap, it's going to be a long night um, if we're not smart with that puck. So I think we've showed signs that we were better, uh, at least on uh, Saturday night versus St. Lawrence. So that's kind of game we need with puck uh, management versus these teams because Princeton is just just as fast going north. It's Princeton a little tougher read just because they haven't played that much? No, I I just finished watching them and it was, I mean, they were, they were in it for both games. 
and they were, I mean, they're they're fast. Um, I thought maybe they'd have a drop with losing the, those, uh, you know, the top line, but they're just, just as fast as they were last year on tape. So yeah, it's going to be another challenge, just a different challenge. You guys are two and ten, taking a lot of punches so far. Certainly not knocked out yet, but how do you come back from? start like this it's not easy no just one uh, one game at a time I know it's a cliche but it is that's how you can't can't have a winning streak if you if you're trying to get the game five I think you got to start a game one so that's that's where we're at and you know uh, this year we've had you know two games where we've won back to back so we'll try to get a string of three here that's how we got to just keep after it but Honestly, just haven't even we haven't even addressed that with our team. It's just more about the practices, just getting better uh, to lead the games, and I think we've seen that. Have you seen any heads down, you know, moping around kind of thing, or is it pretty much they're still all pretty much signed yeah. on to this is what we want to do? Yeah, they've been doing their extra ice, and I'm not going to sit here and say they're whistling why they work, but you know they're. You know, they're very resilient, which has been nice to see. And we have a lot of help here, and it's really nice to have. Um, you know, having a hockey ops guy and to put together video for them, to see their shifts, we review the shifts with them. Each coach has a different uh, set to work with. Team psychologist, Dr. Wally Bizdell, is, is excellent. Um, that we have a resource in. And we've always used Doc, so you know there's there's plenty here for our guys not to be down. What do you need to do better in order to protect the two goal lead? Attack more. Just be just be on the attack, um, playing not to. You, know, you want you want to play to win, not to lose. And I think and I I think that's what we did on the other night. We took a a very foolish penalty on the power play, which is a cardinal sin. And it kind of went downhill from there. We started the offensive turnovers. And when you do that, now you're playing a 200-foot game. And what you're doing is just you're taxing your legs. And it's very basic stuff, but stuff we showed them, uh, addressed it. And if we improve that, then I think you'll protect, protect the lead. The freshmen have been a theme since day one of the season. Is it too early, or do you guys have a pretty good read on what you can expect out of them? Ask me that question. I, I, we're not going to know that until February. And then, then again, there's February. Then you have playoffs. Like who's who's going to show up in in February and in, in in playoffs? I don't know. Um, but I will say this: they're all getting a lot of opportunity. Um, you know, we haven't addressed it yet because they are first-year players. But there's a few guys out, so there's a lot of opportunity for these others. And these others, me and the guys in the lineup now, have to take advantage of this. Um, the last time I checked, a couple guys could be coming back here, and we are recruiting heavily. So, you know, you, if you think this is going to be status quo, it's not happening. Speaking of opportunity, Owen Ferris is one of the kids that have been in the lineup for every game so far. What have you seen out of him, and what were you expecting out of him? Talking to him later. Yeah. Um, he's he's 
Well, we kind of had that line together from the summer. That's the one line that we've <laughs> put together from the summer that actually has stuck. I think they're doing an excellent job. Um, I think Zach has done it. His role, he's doing everything he possibly can. He's basically has more goals than he did in three years, I think, or tied it. So, you know, and he's got a lot of season left. And he's playing really, really well. But I think Owen brings some hockey sense, some size. He's good on faceoffs, um, plays hard. You know, he kind of plays like those guys do. And when you got three guys that work hard, and Josh as well, then it's going to be successful. Was it a teachable moment in the Army game when he when Owen took the penalty after Hanson, somebody banged into him? I think we were talking about that after the game. Uh, was that kind of a typical mistake that you might see out of freshman who's still adjusting to college? I haven't seen it since. So he's very coachable. Like he's a very intelligent player, and it's going to be fun to work with him. Kind of reminds me a little bit of I'm not saying you know offensively, but like a Jeremy Welsh type um, player. Uh, just really kind of a student of the game, prepares like a pro, and it's only going to help him in his time here. When you guys get done with this weekend, you have a little bit of a break. Do, do the kids get go home for a while, or do they stay here, or what is their schedule? You sound like one of the parents. <laughs> um, no, they, they're going to have their finals, uh, and then we have, which is different this year, is we don't have any games after Thanksgiving or we're not in Ireland, so it's it's a little bit a little bit different feel. I don't know if we've had this in a bit, but yeah, we don't play right after Thanksgiving, so they'll get a couple of days off. Some of them get to go home. Some of them, yeah, that, that are local, and hopefully some of the guys will grab, you know, some of the guys that are Western, you know, Canadian guys or so like the Swedish guy. Period off. No, no, it's not like we Christmas, Christmas they do, yes. Okay, so just a couple of days. Of yeah, and I think it's it's much needed because you. It's a mental break too, you know, right right after finals. So well, I guess that makes this weekend even more important because you yeah. want to be able to go into a little bit of a break, feel good about yourself. Yeah, well, that's that's always the the goal, the aim. But you know, just gonna attack uh, Quinnipiac on Friday night and see see what happens, and we'll get the Princeton when we get the Princeton. You mentioned maybe some players could be back. We. Parker Food, Jack Adams, and what their status is right now? No, well, it's, it's going to be later, but I think it's they're, they're looking in the positive direction, which is really good, good sign for our program. And I, I only think it can help us. I'm not looking. I don't think it hurts us one, one, one bit to have those guys back in our lineup. On a different but also similar note, will we see Campolito and uh, Sam Morton back in? Stay tuned. Mike, what did you take away from uh, Bennett's comments? Um, one thing that was kind of stuck out that was interesting was um, when you asked him about um, Jack Adams and, and uh, spent, or, uh, Parker, Parker Fu, um, for the first I've been asking him about those two guys ad nauseum for him, of course. <laughs> but um, for the first time, his answer, it seemed like there was a glimmer of optimism of, them coming back this season, not that it was in, in doubt that they ever were, but usually he kind of noncommittally, vaguely says, hey, when they're back, they're back. I, I don't know what to tell you. And today he sounded a little more optimistic. Now, when, you know, when we wrote about Jack Adams before the season started, um, he was working out like a maniac and doing everything he had to do to get back as soon as he could. But the timetable still called for 
him getting back on skates like around Thanksgiving, you know, off of that knee injury. And then who knew, who knew how long, you know, it was open-ended after that, how long before we'd actually do things like practice and play and, and stuff like that. So I, that kind of stuck out to me a little bit that um, there, there was sort of that glimmer of optimism. He kind of brought it up twice, too, because, I, you know, I asked him about the 12 freshmen getting a, a lot of opportunity, a lot of ice time. And, and he kind of, as a side note, he said, well, you know, those kids need to realize, too, that we got a chance to get a couple guys back. And, you know, when, if we do, then, you, you know, the gravy train might be over a little bit for a couple of those guys. Yeah. So I that, that that was I thought that was a little interesting. Yeah, Parker Foods, it seems to be a lot of the, what the union fans, they, they always ask about him when you know, we get our questions from the fans. What's the status of Parker Foods? What's the status? We, we keep seeing the same thing, but maybe for the, for the first time there is some optimism that he could be back before uh, the end of this uh, calendar year. Yeah, and I understand the interest because he brings the foo name, and uh, you know, but he's a different player from his brother, and he was more of a puck possession guy. He's taller, he's lefty. You know, his brother was kind of more of a skater, right-handed, good, you know, good goal-scoring sense. But that said, even if he's not like the same dynamic offensive player as his brother, he's a guy they really need, and they need puck possession guys and and uh, you know good, talented kids with experience and stuff like that. So, um, you know, he might bring a different element to the table, but they they could certainly use him. Yeah. Well, coming up, the Union women's hockey team ended a couple of streaks last Saturday. Dutch women coach Josh Skiba and player Rachel DePiro discuss that next. You're listening to the Party Shots podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Hey, pro football fans. It's time again to match which with other pro football fans and win a prize by playing the Daily Gazette's You Pick 'em football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook. To play, go to dailygazette.com slash football and make your picks before the first game kicks off each week. If you have the most weekly points, you earn a $100 gift card to ShopRite. Play every week and you can win the grand prize of $1,000. Play the Daily Gazette's You Pick 'em football game, sponsored by River Sportsbook, at dailygazette.com slash football. Back on the Party Shots podcast, along with Mike McAdam, I'm Ken Schott. The Union College women's hockey team snapped two streaks last Saturday. First, they ended a long scoring drought. Then, they stopped a winless skid. The Dutch women scored three times in the second period and beat Brown 4-1 to one in an ECAC hockey game at Mian Auditorium. The win ended a nine-game winless streak to start the season for Union and a 13-game skid over the last two seasons. It was the Dutch women's first victory since beating Dartmouth 4-1 on February 9th. Emily King's power play goal 153 into the second period gave Union a 1-0 lead. And that snapped a 214-minute, 11-second goalless slump. Union has been shut out five times this season. Here is what Union coach Josh Skeeper had to say about the win and the team's weekend home games coming up against Princeton and Quinnipiac. How important was that win Saturday? And not only getting the win, but getting over, getting him some goals. Because you, know, you guys had a long goal streak. Yeah, it, uh, it certainly feels good. It's good to see the girls smile. It's good to see the girls uh, see, some, see some results um, and, and get some recognition for, for seeing those results, right? And I think, um, you know, just breaking it down, scoring some goals was huge, right? I think we've been pressing and, and getting some scoring chances through the first uh, part of the season here that we haven't necessarily finished. And I think 
uh, anytime that you can get those results, it gets more buy-in and more credibility for what we're trying to teach as coaches. So I think it was a huge breath of fresh air for the girls, it's certainly a sigh of relief a little bit. Um, you know, and just the way we scored the goals, I think it, it really helped our, our group gain some some confidence. I mean, you guys have had leads in years past, and it seems not able to hold them. When Brown got the 3-1 late in their career, was there – any sense of panic or just say, or what did you tell the, to the team uh, after Brown scored? Honestly, uh, from puck drop, um, you could feel the sense in our group that we were going to have success uh, the entire game. Just just the belief on the bench. Um, I, I don't think I've ever been more relaxed than, than what I was in that game on the bench in terms of um, just how our players were playing. You know, and I think you can feel how committed they were, how dialed in they were. We, we scored a goal. You know, we put on an energy line out after that. They have a great shift. And, and just little examples like that where you could feel it every single shift. So it was more about for us just we wanted to maintain puck possession. Um, we wanted to continue to do the things that were giving us success. And, and worry less about really just sitting back and just continue to attack and do the things that were giving us success all game. What, what changed um, between the game before and then this one and then the game going that you guys are going into that you know and you feel confident that they're going to bring that same energy momentum into Princeton? Well, I think, I think Friday, um, you know, things didn't uh, – go necessarily like we wanted to go against Yale. Um, we had a good solid discussion. We watched a little video from, from Friday night's game on Saturday morning and, and ultimately I think it came down to the girls just took ownership of, of what they wanted to accomplish on Saturday. Um, really, you know, we, we talk all the time. We do plenty of video. It's really the girls really just said, hey, um, we want to take ownership of, of what we want to control here on Saturday. We believe what we can do and what we can accomplish. And uh, you, could, you could just see and feel more than anything that, that the group really wanted uh, that victory on, on Saturday right from the outset. And I think, um, again, just from us scoring some goals, getting that belief, getting those two points on Saturday, I think ultimately hopefully has given us some confidence this week in practice and, and going into a good opponent like Princeton um, will continue to hopefully do the same and, and play the way we want to play. Ranked or not ranked, we know Princeton is a good team. What will it take to to get one more on them? Well, I think, I think everything, I think, you know, a big thing for us is, is we want to continue to, um, you know, utilize our, our offense and we want to look to score, go- score goals early in the game. Um, I think we want to make Princeton play from behind a little bit. Um, you know, they have, uh, they have probably one of the best lines in, in college, college hockey, right, with, with Fillier, Connors, and, uh, and Bullock, you know, let, let alone our league, but, but probably one of the best lines in college hockey. So um, obviously we got to keep them at bay. Um, I think we've got to make sure that we maintain possession and limit some of our turnovers. And uh, our special teams are going to have to beat theirs. You know, I think they're top five special teams, uh, PK and power play. So we got to be better than them in those areas. And, um, you know, hopefully our goaltending continues to, to give us a strong performance as well. Thanks, Josh. Thank you. Senior forward Rachel DePira was also at Wednesday's media availability. I asked her about ending the streaks and how she was doing after the passing of her father a couple of weeks ago. Uh, I think we were just clicking as a team, like everyone was doing their jobs. And I think when we got that first goal, we kind of just built the momentum off of that and we just kept going. So I think it's good to bring it in this weekend and Princeton's going to be really good to go against and to get that offense going again early earlier in the game would be really good for us. How important is it to finally get a win? And, and not only get a win, but score some goals. Yeah. I think it really helped us like as a team like to see the success that we can have and like it brings a light to like oh this is the team that we are like we can play like this so we should play it every game. When you look at a team like Princeton that you guys are currently playing with 
are looking to go up against, what will it take and how do you use that momentum from that first win of the season going into this, knowing that they're going to give you their best? Yeah. Um, I don't really keep up on Princeton, but I think it's good that the win from Brown just really helped us like figure out all those struggles that we had before and like really getting everything into place just so we can take that momentum that we had from the win and just use everything that we did and build off of it and even be better against Princeton. What was that conversation like with Coach after that win? It was like a it was a good feeling conversation. It was like we did it, we had fun doing it, we have the ability to do it, so now we just gotta keep that consistent and just go out and have fun and and score some goals. I'll ask how how you are you doing with everything that happened in uh, a couple weeks ago? Um, you know it's tough, but having the team and the support like that they've had, like coming to my dad's funeral, helped a lot. Just to see them that that they're here and like twenty four girls, like they're gonna be surrounding you. And I think the biggest thing is just like not being alone, and they're always there for me and supporting me. So it's good. Thank you. We'll open up the Union Mailbag and wrap up the podcast in just a moment. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Parting Shots Podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android in your app store. Back on the Party Shots podcast, and Mike, it's time to open up the Union Mailbag. All right. <laughs> All right. Uh, John Monahan, I'll acknowledge him. He had sent a question about Parker Fu. I hope uh, we answered that for you, John, uh, earlier here in the podcast. Uh, Fran Puglisi writes on the Union College Hockey Fans uh, Facebook page, where I also post uh, to ask fans some questions. He's asking, can the Dutchman turn it around? Um. Sure. It depends on how you define turn it around. I mean, if you're looking strictly at wins and losses, um, man, that's gonna that's gonna take a lot to pull that off. But they can turn it around insofar as these young kids fig- continuing to figure it out. Um, if they get in a perfect world, if they get Jack Adams back anywhere near what he was doing for them last season, that's a big boost right there. Um, they're on a different learning curve than they have than a typical team would be. So I think they're going to be given a lot of leeway and leash by the coaches from a wins and loss standpoint. And it goes back to what I've said already that um, Rick has been very philosophical and not negative after the games because he knows what the deal is. And, you know, wins and losses, it, it, you know, I think it would help them at some point. Well, it would help them in the win column if they had like a bad win you know, they take it yeah. one of those take it any way you can get it kind of thing. But really, they need to have more games like the St. Lawrence one. And, you know, they had a good game against um, Canisius. And, you know, they also did not produce a win. And, and it, it, you know, it's it seems like they're settling for a lower bar. But under the circumstances, I don't think there's really anything else you can do. So turn it, it's hard. it depends on how you define turn it around. If yeah. they're playing better, when you know, at crunch time in February, then they will have considered it turned around no matter how many wins they had. Well, Fran, thank you for that posting that question. Sean Watson also posting on the Union College Hockey Fans Facebook page. He has actually two questions. Let's ask the first one here. What is their number one thing that they should be working on to prevent them getting stuck in their offensive zone? Getting stuck in their offensive zone or? Yeah, to prevent them getting stuck in their offense. For, um, 
I guess that's what he's saying here. The number one thing he was working on to present them. Maybe he should be he meant defensive zone. I guess yeah. because I, I think getting stuck in your offensive zone is a yeah. good thing. Yeah, very <laughs> well. Um, getting stuck in the defensive zone. Um, just good exits and breakouts. I, I think they've gotten better at that. Like the first couple games, certainly the BU game to open the season, it, it was like it, it was like a a Rubik's cube trying to just get out of their zone and figure out a passing sequence that would do that. Um, one thing you haven't heard a lot about this year is um, they call it the five foot rule where chip it out, chip it in. Like if you're five feet from the blue line, just chip it in and work from there. If you're inside your own blue line and you're within five feet, just chip it out and don't get fancy. Um, so from the, uh, the other thing is they need, they need to sustain offensive pressure like that line with uh, Owen Ferris and Zach Amalophone and Josh Kosak do a great job of just grinding it away and keeping it up against the offensive end boards. And if you do that, you get a chance to get fresh bodies, fresh legs, and you're not tired at the other end. If you're immediately out of the offensive zone, you're constantly back on defense. You're, you're playing with tired legs. And, and so I get all these things kind of, uh, you know, work together to, toward the same objective. Sean's other question is, uh, do you think given his speed and puck handling ability that Bass Collius should be given a shot on a forward line? And I mean, it couldn't hurt. Um, it wouldn't, but it, that's an interesting point. I mean, they need him on defense. Um, toward a, a similar um, situation, uh, they had Fletcher Feynman, who's a very big, tall defenseman for Union on the forward line, listed on the line chart, at least when the game – uh, line charge came out before the game and I had never seen that before. And I mentioned something in the, you know, the union uh, SID said, uh, well, they actually, they did that for one of the road games. And I, I can't really remember how many forward line, you know, how many forward shifts uh, Fletcher Feynman even played, but there was kind of, I, I saw him up there up top of the line. Charge. I was like, what's he doing there? So it's certainly something that sounds like, you know, Rick Bennett would be interested in exploring. Kolias on the other hand, he like, it's I seem almost like a panic move to put him at the forward line because he does a lot of the things to get them moving um, from the from the blue line and actually brings it deep a lot. So it's almost like playing like a forward, certainly in transition. And he has you know the green light to do that when he sees a, the proper opportunity. So um, I don't know how much that would help, but that's a pretty good question. Yeah. So, Sean, I appreciate the questions, and if you have any questions, uh, you want to submit them or comment, you can email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. I'll also be posting uh, requests for questions and comments on my Twitter account, and as well as on the Union College Hockey Fans page on Facebook and my personal Facebook page. Look for my weekly ECAC Hockey Faceoff selections at dailygazette.com, slash sports, slash parting shots. You can participate in the uh, event by emailing your picks to me, a shot at S-C-H-O-T-T. That's again, I can spell, can I? <laughs> at dailygazette.com. Practice. That's right. Uh, that wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. And my thanks to Mike McGannon for coming on. With Union off the next two weeks, um, we will return with our college hockey-centric podcast on December 6th. Okay, I look forward to All it. All right. The Parting Shots podcast is brought to you by Trophy Case, the app created for athletes by athletes. Download it today. Available for iOS and Android users in your app store. The Parting Shots podcast is available on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Subscribe today. Follow us on social media. Um, you can follow me at Slapshots on Twitter and Instagram. And uh, Mike underscore McAdam on Twitter.
The views expressed in the Party Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Party Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. For Mike McAdam, thanks for listening, and we'll catch you in a couple of weeks. From the Party Shot Studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good hockey.